everybody, and welcome to the Post-20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 210 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? Uh, mixed emotions, tough week with the grassroots ball, with the high school. Evan and I were just talking pre-recording. Pre, uh, that was a tough break last night, but... My little guys with the club team, uh, we won 5-1 over the weekend. Great result. Um, they looked great going forward. And we got training tonight, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Premier League-wise, once again, Chelsea doing Chelsea-like things. Uh, a lot of teams struggling at the top. Got some late winners. But, yeah, I mean, things things are going a little crazy in the Prem at the moment. And more more big injuries coming to big players. Yeah, for sure um it's tough i mean i feel like i'm seeing injuries all over the place the nfl was a complete nightmare uh this year with or this this week with injuries and we're seeing them in the prem as well it's oh i don't know i don't think people took uh their preseason fitness all that seriously this year yeah i don't know it's it's tough you require these guys to be a top peak uh physical shape 10 10 11 months out of the year and they only get maybe three weeks off at a time throughout yeah. the whole course of the year so it's really tough it's a lot of stress on their body and it shows that having bigger squads moving forward as the years go on is going to be required we're used to seeing maybe like 24 25 man squads and maybe there's going to be clubs that have to go to like to hell chelsea and arsenal or you have to carry 30 guys just to make it through a full season yeah that's true um okay do you want to give our records from last week and then we'll get into uh the games from last week yep another positive week we've been doing good so far five weeks in zach and evan both went five and five and i led the charge this week i went seven and three nice overall evan at 27 and 22 and zach and i are 32 and 17 so all right yeah this is an incredible start um still I think a lot of chalk picks are working, and we saw last week a lot of late winners from the big teams. So, um, should be interesting. There's a lot of good matchups this week that I'm eyeing up. A lot of big heavy hitters. We got North London Derby. Um, we got a tough match. Vincent Company play Man United, and then uh, I guess uh, what else? Palace Fulham is going to be one I want to watch. Those are two tough teams. I didn't realize Roy Hodgson wasn't on the sidelines this weekend yeah, with an sick. illness. So, yeah, a lot of things to look forward to this week with no uh, international break in between. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, Prem's back. We started the weekend off um, with Liverpool and Wolves at the Molyneux. It looked like maybe Liverpool were going to be off to a shaky one uh, in this one, but despite the seventh-minute goal from Hee Chan, Liverpool roared back in the second half with goals from Cody Gakpo, Andrew Robertson, and then an own goal technically from Hugo Bueno in the 91st minute. Should be noted that Mo Salah had three assists in this game, only uh, you know, only down for two, um, but that third one really should have been an assist for him as well. Liverpool with 70% possession, six shots on target, 16 shots total. Wolves control or struggled to control the ball, just had a really tough time with possession with 30%. Um, and really just were not able to get anything going on the offensive end in the second half. Mateus Cunha had a few chances, wasn't able to get it to go. Pedro Neto, I thought, played decently as well. Um, but the story was all Liverpool in this one. Unfortunately, Darwin Nunez not getting the play that we expected. Same thing with Luis Diaz. They're just trying to rotate those forwards a little bit. Gakpo got the started striker and got a goal. Good to see him playing uh, in that, that forward role. I think he's much, much better there instead of playing back, uh, you know, alongside McAllister, which is where Curtis Jones played in this one. Um, but Liverpool starting to catch a little bit of form, looking good, still shaky at the back, but they are currently in third place on 13 points, level with Arsenal and Tottenham. It was a tale of two halves here. Well, Wolves look strong coming out of the gates. Pedro Neto still on hot form. People are, have been sleeping on him for a long time, and now he's showing the consistency here, being their number one guy. Uh, Belagrad, that's the guy they just signed from Strasbourg, uh, Chelsea owned club there so another good player that leaves our leaves our system but yeah he looked great in his debut there um Cunha still having issues saw put up a good performance but Klopp halftime comes in changes things up McAllister came out 
uh, you saw the fatigue he had coming from international break. Um, as Evan mentioned, Nunez and Diaz both also on international break were started on the bench. So it shows the reliance he has on McAllister to play in, in that six. But I, I liked Curtis Jones in there. Maybe he can do that going forward. Maybe pick, pick McAllister a little higher. Um, the subs did well. Uh, nice little debut from that. That was his name, Quinza. Yeah. Girard. So that was something that nobody would have predicted, but he did a good job. Uh, had a bit cramp coming at the end of the game, so I had to come out for Konate. We'll be seeing Van Dyke back now after his suspension, so he'll be back for their next matchup. Um, and yeah, I mean, Salah once again carrying the team on his back, leading things going forward. Uh, they got it done without Trent. It seemed like Joe Gomez did an okay job at right back. And yeah, Robertson on the left back too. Finally getting involved in the attack. He looked he looked good bombing forward as as they needed him with Trent out of the side. So digging deep, vintage Liverpool there. Keeps them in the top four. Four-game win streak. And uh, it should be interesting seeing this matchup. They come up next where they got West Ham, who have been giant killers as of lately, or at least have been just competing head-to-head. Yeah, um, and then all right, we up next we had Fulham versus Luton Town. This one a bit of a sleeper, but all three points go to Fulham. Uh, Luton Town had to go up to, uh, or I guess that's actually crossed to um, Craven Cottage, where Carlos Vinicius scored in the 65th and separated the two sides. Uh, it was all Fulham in this one, 78% possession, uh, just passed circles around. Uh, Luton Town. Luton Town only registered 222 passes. Uh, conversely, Fulham with 809. Um, it, it's the the difference between Luton Town and even like a mid-table kind of suspect team this year. Fulham is just it, it's so vast. Um, there is nothing in this Luton Town team that inspires me whatsoever. Besides maybe. Uh, Tahith Chong in, in certain situations. Marvelous Nakamba has not looked good. Uh, Luton Town did, of course, sign Sambi Lakonga, ex-Arsenal player. Uh, I'm not even sure where he was last season. I believe we loaned him out. Was he at Palace? Um, so did Luton Town bring him in on a permanent, or is this just a loan deal? Because I don't, I don't know that. It's a season loan. It's a season loan. All right. So... Um, trying to shore up their midfield a little bit because Nakamba has not been as impressive as people would have hoped. Um, but overall, I mean, just a really, really poor performance from Luton Town as we've seen every week. Currently, they've still uh, they're they're still yet to register a point. Uh, they are the final team to not register a point in the league. And to be honest, with the way that they're playing, I am just not inspired by them whatsoever. And I don't think uh, that point will be coming anytime soon. Good three points for Fulham, but I think they probably would have expected a little bit better of a performance. Um, Williams back in the team. You know, we saw Paulinho right in the center, same as always. And then Raul Jimenez, who some people are still really high on. I'm just not, you know, I'm, I'm really not impressed by him. He's not moving the needle for me whatsoever. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Good, good three points from Fulham. That's exactly what you'd expect. And while they will have wanted more goals, uh, I think they'll take it. They're on seven points right now, sitting in 10th, level with Palace and Nottingham Forest. Fulham needed this bounce-back win after a tough defeat to City. Keep some level in their mid-table. Uh, for Fulham, or sorry, for Luton, another guy I like watching in this team is that uh, Kabore, their right wing-back. He's a former Man City product, and I don't know if he's here on a permanent or not, but he looks great going down that right side, bombing forward, gets a lot of crosses in the box, but they rely too heavily on those crosses to Carlton Morris and Brown up front, and there's not a lot of build-up in the midfield and creating chances from those three, and when Ross Barkley's fit, he's the main guy that gets a lot of shots at, actually, so yeah, a lot of inexperience, a lot of, a lot of not-so-technical guys. Uh, the goalkeeper is just having to stand on his head too many times. And just service to Carlton Morris is few and far between as well. Center back, it's too easy for these Premier League defense defenses to, to settle on him and to just get in between the, the passing lanes and cut him off. So shock start, in my opinion, for Castagna. I didn't realize Robinson picked up an injury over there in national break, so he got the start at left back. Looked really good. Uh, it's tough scenes for us as Americans. Hopefully... 
Robertson is still the the starter there, but now he has some heavy competition for his role next to his his compatriot Tim Ream. Uh, William getting back in the lineup as well looked good. Wilson a mid performance. Awobi off the bench got involved in more uh, more attacking position centrally, whereas Everton he's been more on the wings. He's a nice little piece for them in case they need a jolt off the bench. He's he's a nice little creative guy for them. And yeah, it's it's a result we saw coming. I don't really know where Luton wins points. They play Wolves this week, which Wolves are are on the Spursy type that deal sometimes. So we could see a draw here potentially at home. That's the only place they're going to get points, in my opinion. They're taking over, not in a force crown in that in that sense. So this is a big result for them if they can get a point here. They need to get something before this next international break because if they're sitting dead last with no points come the October break. They might have to change Rob Edwards or do something drastic because they're they're happy they they're back at the top flight. But if you only get like ten to fifteen points in the whole year, it's kind of a miserable time. Was it even worth getting promoted? Yeah. Um, all right. Tell us about Tottenham and Sheffield United. This was my game of the week. Yeah, this was a game that we conventionally would think Tottenham would roll them. Sheffield at the bottom there had with only one point after two two draw against Everton where we saw them finally get some attacking and Spurs have looked great going forward. They they're one of the top scoring sides in the league. James Madison has been a revelation for them. Son again starting at the nine. Didn't have the same impact though as he did previously. I believe it was the same start same starting lineup they had as they did in their previous matchup against Burnley, that five two crushing win. But it started out here Late in the 73rd minute, Gustavo Hamer off a long throw-in, smacks it in the back post, low bottom corner. Got the blades going. It was it, it shocked the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium fans uh, that showed up. And it had to take some late changes to come in to really change things up here and get a positive result for Tottenham. Or Charleston and Perisic and Brennan Johnson all come in, as well as Emerson Royal and Hoiberg. And it had to, we had to wait until the 97th minute with 15 added minutes of time for Richarlson to finally get that goal. He's been longing that everybody's been wanting for him. A nice little corner header there finished from Perisic. And then Richarlson getting the assist on the winner in the 99th minute to Kulusevski. 2-1 win, late win. I heard a stat. They said Postacoglu has not lost a home match at, at any level in like, 48 games he's undefeated in 48 straight like home games or it's 40 something across all his competitions whether he was at celtic and spurs now so yeah this guy is the real deal i remember in the preseason here and that everywhere he went people doubted him and he he always got rid of their top guy and it worked out so they're looking like they're definitely going to be pushing for that top four it's there's not really anything you can say otherwise uh, unless they pick up a few injuries like a lot of other teams are going through right now that they seem like they're doing okay. And now it's you have to talk about Richarlison getting in that lineup again at the 9 over Sun, but uh, with Solomon out on the left. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of options for Pasoglu. The midfield looks better. The backs are finally playing good defense. They have a decent goalie now after Larissa's shockers the last two to three seasons. And for Sheffield, Cameron Archer, back to reality. Not no brace for him. Average performance. They just got they just got pushed too far. 105 minutes in this game is way too much for Sheffield to handle here. The laziness and just tired legs couldn't clear the ball properly, and Spurs just kept going and going and going. And the subs that brought on still had top quality to get the job done. McBurney did pick up a, a late double yellow in the in the 103rd minute, so he'll be missing their next matchup against. Uh, who do they play this week? Newcastle. They have to host Newcastle here. So he seems like he's their prime target up front to hold the play up for let, to let Cameron Archer and others get around him. So losing him is going to be a massive uh, attacking option missed. And yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough for Sheffield because uh, any type of point here would have been great just to keep them afloat above that bottom bottom three. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Spurs really do kind of look like the real deal to me now. I think Romero and Van de Ven is an extremely good center-back pairing. Um, Van de Ven did get subbed off in this game, but I think he's he's genuinely up to the task. Um, Destiny Odogi, been a revelation there at left back. Like you mentioned, Vicario is is just a, a step above Lloris. Um, it was time for Lloris to go, and I think 
Uh, really, replacing him with anybody would have been fine, but Vicario seems like, you know, outside of maybe a mistake or two here or there, he he looks pretty uh, pretty sound. Basuma and and uh, Pape Mate Sar also I just solid, 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 solid in the center. Um, better than Hoyberg and and Ollie Skip, uh, and then you have Monar Solomon who came in from um, from Fulham last season, Jewish legend. Uh, and of course, that that pickup of James Madison has just changed the way that Spurs have played. I think it's great to see Sun starting in the nine role, but it's even better to see Richarlison coming on after having just a an absolutely torrid time at Spurs <clears throat> since coming in last season from Everton. It's so nice to see him score. We know what kind of goal scorer he can be. He was dropped from the Brazil team. Uh, he's had some issues off the pitch. Apparently, mentally, he's been <clears throat> really, really struggling. You don't see Brazilian players come out and talk about that kind of thing uh, very often. They're a very brawny and, and, and brave culture. They don't talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, so, I, I, you know, that was nice to see. Um, and it was really nice to see him get rewarded and bring really all three points home for Spurs after having such a tough time. Uh, I'm all in on Ange. I, I think Sheffield actually played a really sound game here. They just ran out of gas. Um, but it was nice to see Tottenham win here in, in such a contentious match especially in front of a home crowd. Yeah, they had 28 shots, 10 on target. They now sit as the highest team with shots per game. They average 20 shots a game now, which is crazy. Um, uh, but we were talking, you were saying earlier, Spurs' schedule hasn't been the most challenging as of lately, and now they get a, a North London derby at Arsenal, followed by uh, hosting Liverpool, and we're really going to see if this attack can handle the big-time teams. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to West Ham 1, Manchester City 3. The Irons welcomed Manchester City to the London Stadium where they took an early lead in the 36th minute thanks to a diving header from the CEO of the Let's Go Golfing celebration, James Ward-Prowse. He scored in the 36th. Unfortunately, Jeremy Doku took it upon himself to start the second half off hot with a Absolutely sensational run down the left flank. Cooked the defender, cut in, fantastic finish into the right side of the net. Bernardo Silva added another in the 76th, and then who else but Erling Holland putting a fork in West Ham in the 86th minute with a goal uh, to himself. 29 shots for City, 15 of those on target, 70% possession. West Ham unable to cope with the depth of the City squad in the second half. Jeremy Doku appears to be a revelation, just an absolute uh, take on machine, so aggressive, just a really powerful, strong dribbler. Um, him and, and Grealish going in and out on that left side, uh, you know, in terms of depth, I think is going to be just unbelievable. So I, I was super impressed with the way City played in this one. This was more um, of the City we saw last year than, than what we've been seeing in the past couple of weeks. Good fight from West Ham in the first half, but they just don't have the scoring power to keep up with a high-powered offense like City. So kind of what we expected. This was a, a perfect game to show why Bernardo Silva is so key in the system and why he needs to stay in this team every year we hear that he's going to leave or... People think he's 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 just a, a bit, he's like an expendable feature or asset for them that they could sell on. But he's a key guy that can come up in big moments. And when Kevin De Bruyne is out, you need those moments. And he provided it here with that goal and assist. Holland pushed and pushed and pushed. Should have had at least three here, but eventually got it laid on. He now leads with seven in the in the season so far after six or five matches. So he's on track to do what he did last year, which is insane. Um, but the, I think their man of the season so far has been Julian Alvarez. I mean, the guy sits right behind Holland and is providing great service. He's on their free half of most of their free kicks. He hit the crossbar here on one of them, and just he's blown blown me away at times. And now is just a, should be one of the top guys on the team sheet every week. Um, Doku as well getting that start. I love how aggressive he is on the ball, attacking defenders, always keeping him on the back foot, and it was a prime example on his goal, just getting, pushing and pushing and pushing Sufal back and back into his own penalty area, and then getting a little touch out from his feet and slotting it. Simple finish. That's exactly what you want out of those wingers. Um, don't know what the timetable is on Jack Grealish, but really going to be fighting for his position back in the team. 
For a West Ham standpoint, they announced that Kurt Zuma is the captain. I don't know what you think about that, but he's the captain of the club now. Um, Alvarez did pick up an injury at that DM role, so I don't know what his the extent of the injury. He's looked decent so far, so you check. The first time we saw them two next to each other, those guys are a scary pair to try to get through in the middle. And attacking-wise, they pushed Paqueta out, out to a left-wing position and put Ward-Prowse at the 10, which is what I love to see for bias standpoint with fantasy, but we didn't, we don't see him even with Southampton at times they played him in a DM role or the deep line playmaker role. We never seen him higher up in the pitch where he can be more on the attacking side. And now he's got two goals and three assists in their first five. He's looking like their talisman and, uh, Areola absolutely standing on his head. There was that one sequence, <laughs> five where... saves in like 20 seconds. Yeah, it was a start with a corner. Holland had a chance. Rodrigo or Rodri had a chance. I think Alvarez headed it at the end, and Ariel pushed it over. It was insane. Just twenty nine shots, and half of them being on target is insane. Holland had six on target. I mean, this guy is gonna be pushing to score over forty this year. Yeah, no doubt. I, does that that doesn't surprise you, right? For his standards, no, but just thinking about yeah, another people in the yeah, past yeah. we watched with like Sala and Suarez and we never thought those guys would ever get like forty goals. Like they pushed high twenties, low thirties, but this guy makes thirty look like the benchmark he has to do every year. Yeah. And they were on good teams as well. Like Salah had an unbelievable team. Uh Suarez that's that Liverpool side was fucking unreal. I don't think people remember how good they were. Um, Suarez, Sterling's, and Sturridge. Yeah, Gerard in behind. I miss Coutinho. Yep, they were unbelievable. He was getting just fantastic service, and you know he didn't even come like they weren't even breathing in the same room as as where Holland is now. So, um, it's crazy. We are witnessing you know a a true uh, legend of the game. I I cannot wait until um, you know I'm I'm fifty. And I'm telling my kids who are playing with, you know, the legend uh, icon Holland card. You're like, this card is is underpowered. You don't <laughs> you don't know you don't know what he was like. Um, he is just fucking unbelievable. Yeah. Um. Okay. Tell us about Manchester United one Brighton three. I reveled in this one. We're truly seeing uh, an implosion of a club both on the pitch and off it seems like everything is spiraling out of control for ten hog and the club in general with so many theatrics off the field and now you have nine first team players injured three of those being to your starting back line we just heard Juan Basaka now picked up an extended injury for the next one to two months so it's it's really looking bad for them. Onana's not turning out to be as good as we thought. Casemiro is showing his age now, and it just seems like the tactics aren't able... He doesn't have a good partner in there to cover for him. I thought McTominay is the right build to put next to him because when we see McTominay with Scotland, it's he's just a completely different player and is great going forward and is a great leader. But when it, when you come back to the club level, it seems like things just are out of control. Um, I did like the linkage between Rashford and Hoyland here. They looked like a great combo. Hoyland got subbed off in the 60th, 65th minute, and we saw fans visible, uh, just making their presence known and their opinions heard to Ten Hag. They were booing the hell out of that decision when he put Martial in. Yeah. Um, probably a decision to rest him for the Champions League game uh, in, in Germany this uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, against Bayern. So... Hopefully they don't get embarrassed there. Uh, but in this game, Brighton did win 3-1. 20th minute, Danny Welbeck returns to his former club where he won the title 10 years ago. Uh, scores against them. They said that's the fifth time he scored against United since leaving. Assisted by Simon Adingra, who got a nice start here in front of Solly March, who picked up a knock the previous day in training. Uh, 53rd minute, Gross doubled the lead from Tyreek Lamptey, who covered for Estupignan. At left back, he looked great, got two assists on the day. Absolute pace demon. Uh, and then we saw the debut of Ansu Fadi come in, as well as João Pedro. Ansu Fadi had a clear opportunity to put a, a chance away and just uh, bottled it a bit. But his uh, his, the fe his fellow teammate that came in with him, João Pedro, put the third in. 
uh, on a nice little cutback from Lamptey. Uh, Hannibal Hannibal uh, Majbury got a, a late consolation goal, his first for Man United as a professional, uh, making it 3-1 from a Lissandra Martinez ball. And from there, it was just kind of dead. Ferguson came in late, Milner and Gilmore. Um, and yeah, it, it's just, it just shows Brighton's dominance. They've scored the most goals now. They're at 15 goals. This year, they scored one more than Man City, which is really hard to do. They're in that top five for, uh, or top three for shots per game. They average 18 and a half shots a game. These guys just know what they're doing. The system's well-made. Everybody knows their roles, and it seems like they're getting to a point where they have two first-team players in every position, which is something not a, very, very few teams, even at the top level, can say they have. So um, great performance for them on the road, going to Man United, whether it's or going to Old Trafford, whether it's a great United team or a bad one, you never know what to expect when you go to that magical stadium. So uh, credit to them. They're getting into that top four race once again, where uh, we both thought they'd finish mid-table. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. They got the Europa League this Thursday. We're going to see how that schedule uh, congestion works for them now for the first time in their club history. They're playing in Europe. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, besides telling you that I took a ton of joy out of that, uh, we will move on to Aston Villa 3, Crystal Palace 1. Um, very, very, very quiet first half. Defensive battle. These teams were just locked in against each other. Um, teams relatively unchanged from how they normally line up. We did see Zaniola get the start here. Uh, early goal rolled off. Uh, Musa Diaby was able to get one to go, but it was fired off, unfortunately. The first actual goal didn't come until the 47th minute when Odson Edwards struck, and then Villa left it to late. Jan Duran scored in the 87th, Douglas Louise with a penalty in the 98th, and then Leon Bailey with a goal in the 101st. Um, long, long, long games this weekend. The Spurs game was the same way. They left it until super late and scored in that extended stoppage time. Villa were probably the better team in this one. Palace did go up early, um, but Villa had the killer instinct that Palace just lacked in this one. Only getting that goal from Odson Edward was tough. Villa fired on all cylinders. Um, all of the guys that came in as subs, uh, besides Douglas Louise, Leon Bailey came in as a sub for John McGinn. Zaniola was subbed off. Jan Duran came in from Ferrari Watkins, uh, and they were able to get it done. Watkins has... What I did take from this game was Watkins has not played great under Unai Emery. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, He hasn't been terrible, but he hasn't been up to the standard that I expect from him. I think he's an extremely talented striker, and he's not scoring a ton of goals. Um, Do you do you you know you take anything from that, or do you think maybe he's just in a bit of a slump right now, or what? Yeah, he's got no goals registered yet, two assists. Uh, is good in the link up. I like him and Diaby paired up. Diaby looks like the more explosive guy that you're worried about scoring. But Watkins does find him in great positions, and a lot of the times his shots are getting blocked at the last second. So he, I think he's due to score soon. I'm sure this weekend he'll be scoring his first goal against Chelsea. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, it's probably guarantee that. But yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not too worried about that. And. I don't think Duran's going to be pushing him for his spot anytime soon. They, they got him last year from Chicago Fire. It's great to see him firing. That was a great um, jump start to the to the game for them. I felt like Palace, Palace in this game got robbed a bit. They they did a good job getting that goal at the start of the second half. Uh, good work goal in behind from Mateta. Unfortunate for Emmy Martinez. He was going to come out for it and then slipped. So his footing was wrong and Edward pounced on the opportunity. But... Yeah, it just laid on tired legs, and then once the penalty decision, I don't know what you thought of the penalty, but I thought that was a bit controversial there if it was or wasn't, and that ultimately decided the game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're seeing more and more and more and more issues with the VAR stuff. Like, I, last week, the Havertz thing, or two weeks ago, I, I guess that was actually three weeks ago now, um, the Havertz thing was weird. We saw a couple of terrible officiating calls in the Tottenham-Sheffield game. Um, I'm like, people are really concerned about VAR, and I, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think it probably was a penalty, but I don't know. I, I don't think VAR has actually helped us at all besides anything. Like, offside calls, that's it. It's the only place I think is it needs to be used. I think if, if a penalty is awarded, the penalty is awarded. If it's not awarded, it's not awarded. That's it. 
It's the way it needs to be. It's not going to be the way that it is, uh, but that's just kind of how I feel. Yeah, I feel like refs now with with VAR in mind, their decision making is a little bit different. Um, they're thinking about if they make the call, they always have VAR to double check, make sure it's right. Whereas if it's a normal situation without it, they're going to make their decisions a little differently. So I don't know. It's We're at a point where we're not going to go back ever. And we just have to figure out how to improve on it week after week. So uh, it's always going to be the main talking point in these close games. As long as it's not a, a blowout, this is always going to be an issue in these types of games. And it's going to change the fates of how team seasons end. Yeah. All right. Tell us about this sleeper. Newcastle won Brentford nil. Yeah, tight match here. Uh, I, I was I thought Newcastle would get a bounce back win. They needed this win so bad. After the start of the season they had, there's been doubts swirling about uh, was last year a fluke and that which both of these teams, I think, tied with the most draws last year. They both had like 13, 14 draws, which is crazy. So they don't have that killer instinct, but at the same time, their defensive structure is so good. You saw that from Brentford hold out for so long and ultimately got got a Newcastle got awarded with a penalty to decide to get a freebie on them. So Callum Wilson put it away in the 64th, and from there it was a bit back and forth. But yeah, Newcastle played kind of a rotated team even with the Champions League match in Milan tomorrow coming up. You saw Elliot Anderson and Longstaff in the middle instead of Tonali and Joe Ellington, who Joe Ellington has had the great start. Uh, Isak didn't play, as well as Gordon and Barnes getting the start on the wings. So they got the job done with the second team. When it was Brentford, they went back to their five in the back, uh, went with more conservative. Three in the middle, two up front, Visa and Mbomo, both up top. Mbomo couldn't find that that moment for him to pounce on and be the man. And yeah, I don't know. I thought Flecken had a bit of a tough game here for Brentford in goal. He got exposed a bit for these high ball uh, challenges he has to come and make. His aerial presence isn't as good as as other keepers, and that could be an opportunity where teams can pounce on them on set pieces if they can find it in those dangerous spots and uh, ultimately cost them on the penalty. He took out Anthony Gordon for a challenge that, once again, was kind of debatable. He was His momentum carried him into the challenge, but I don't think the intent was there to take Gordon out, and Gordon a bit sold it on a bit. Attackers take advantage of these situations where they just stick their foot under the player who's coming out, and it just hooks them, and they just sell it a bit. So... I don't know. It's it's such a hard place to be as a referee now to make these decisions because it comes down to what did he mean to do it in that, and you don't know unless it's blatant. So it's just a flip of a coin decision, and on this day, Newcastle got the benefit and won the three points. So it's good for them. It's not going to kill Brentford anytime soon. They're going to be fine throughout the year, and this is a bigger moment for Newcastle because now it gives them confidence. Go into AC Milan to hopefully get a result in their first Champions League game in 20 years. Yeah. Um, fuck, my brain just turned off. Oh, what I was going to say was Newcastle really needed to see one go through the hoop here. They really needed three points. Um, they'd only gathered three points from their first four. They absolutely needed one here. And a Brentford, this is a Brentford side that is no small task to go up against. They have a lot of threats offensively. Can be tough to break down as well. So, you know, Although Newcastle may have just won it on a penalty and, and didn't necessarily play all that well, um, they didn't have their full strength lineup. They they didn't have um, Gordon and what's that? Sorry, I, I just remembered that Rico Henry picked up an injury in yes. this game. Yeah. And I didn't know how significant it's saying that he's, he uh, had an ACL injury and oh. could be out until February. That's so tough. He's a, he's a massive left back for them, left wing back. They don't really have a good replacement for him they're gonna have to shift hickey over there they put roy's level on right wing back so he was somebody that was pushing to move into the to the england squad potentially because left back is a position they don't really have too much depth in, as unlike their right back position so that's unfortunate for him he's been a really really big um player for them that it's been enjoyable to watch yeah um Sorry. What was I saying? No, I remember. They needed Newcastle they needed, needed to see one go through the hoop, and they did. Uh, Brentford, really good side. You know, they're they're in eleventh right now. They're on six points, but they played some tough matches. Uh, they had that draw against Tottenham. You know, they have three draws already so far. Newcastle yet to register a draw. Been really shaky at the back. Uh, one nil on a clean sheet for Newcastle is is a fantastic result. 
And I think they'll be really happy carrying that into their match today, actually, in the Champions League um, against AC Milan, who they just acquired uh, Sandro Tonali from. And I think Tonali's injured as well. Okay. Um, Bournemouth nil, Chelsea nil. Would you like to? Would you like to take this one? Would you like to tell us what is wrong with Chelsea? Everything. Uh, it's it's just something that they can't won't score. Go. It's just something that won't go away, man. It's just like a, a crazy ex that won't leave you alone, or just like a rash that just you just can't figure out what the fuck the origin is. It's it's this. The attack is there. The progression of play is there the the play patterns are there just when you get around that box man it's like fucking avoiding the cooties or something man there's just something that just they can't figure out nico jackson again hit the post uh i guess before we get into all that the lineup even we saw a big decision from potch not starting ben chilwell like the current captain replacing Reese James, Connor Gallagher captained the team. Yes. After the last summer of him being talked of leaving the club, potentially fighting for his position, getting in the starting lineup, and now captaining the team. That's an insane past three to four months for him. Um, but he captained. We saw Mudrick start at left wing. That's been something people have been screaming for. Maybe not even just Mudrick, just an attacking player. Cole Palmer could play there even. And did. He came in later in the second half to replace him. But Mudrick seemed like good to start first half. His pace was, hard, it was impossible to for Bournemouth to contain at times. Found Gallagher on a cutback and Jackson hit the post later on. Um, Sterling, free kick. Um, the game ended nil-nil, by the way, for those that weren't aware. Um Chelsea had 14 shots, Bournemouth had 13. Chelsea 6 on target, Bournemouth 4 on target. Pretty even. Possession 65 to 35 in Chelsea's favor. Um, total passes, Chelsea 590, Bournemouth 312. More than you would think. And um, Chelsea 7 corners to Bournemouth's 1. Yeah. The craziest shot was Sterling's free kick, top of the box, about 20 out, off to the left side of the D. It was a perfect technique, great strike, hit the crossbar in the post, hit on the line, and bounced out. I don't know how, I don't know what somebody did to put a curse on this club in the last 18 months, but we need to go to a witch doctor or something because just, they're there, they're creating great opportunities, the shots are there, they're beating the goalie. And then even on the rebound, Levi Colwell puts it away and is offsides. I mean, I don't know what the hell they have to do to buy a goal. It's just, I don't know. Um, kudos to Robert Sanchez. Came up big a couple times. Um, potential rumors linked to Aaron Ramsdale to Chelsea, potentially. Oh, but brother! Um, <laughs> I think that's just bullshit, just with the the Raya start in this game. So we'll Take see him. later later in the winter. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, fuck it. You can have them. Sanchez nah. was good. Clean sheet, baby. Or uh, uh, Raya, sorry. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just... I don't know. Ugo Chuka made a start as well. Big Caicedo Over Caicedo there. Um, and the bench, we had two goalies on our bench. There were uh, no Caicedo on the bench. The only first-team players that were in this team were the three that came in as subs in Matson, Showell, and Palmer. So maybe a bit of tired legs from international break, but um, not a result. This is the run that you would have thought we would have picked up three points. I said three weeks ago or four weeks ago, we need to be winning seven and nine points out of these three games in Forest, Bournemouth, and um, who was it? Forest, Bournemouth, and Luton. We picked up four. Yeah, that, well, you're only one went away. That should have been this game. This should have been, I don't, uh, we're just wasting opportunities. We're 14th, one win, two draws, two defeats, five goals for, five goals against. Once again, the defense isn't the issue. No, it's not bad. It's forward play. It's poor. I don't know. Nico Jackson stinks, dude. And I don't think Broya does much better. No, Um, and he's dead as well. So we don't, we haven't seen him play in a year. And there's no other options we have currently. We loaned out Lukaku, which should have been done. 
but it's looking like the narrative to sign Ivan Tony in January is getting bigger and bigger, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think the Cole Palmer signing again was like, why? Why? What's the point? I just don't. I don't think there's any sort of plan in place. I thought there was. You guys got rid of the Deadwood, but the players that you brought in haven't really looked all that good. I mean, for fuck's sake, Connor Gallagher's the captain now. This guy was like mid as fuck for Crystal Palace, and now he's the captain of one of the probably top 10 biggest clubs in the world. This is just crazy. Top down, the structure of Chelsea is just in turmoil, I feel like. I mean, you guys have an owner that's willing to spend money. That's nice. But if the money's not being spent in the right spots and the team isn't as sharp as you would hope, I mean, what's what's the point of having such a lackadaisical, you know, money-spending policy? Um I was I'm I'm I've been wrong. I I thought Chelsea were going to be back this year. I thought they were going to be really good with Pochettino, and they just haven't been. I mean, I think your best offensive player has been Raheem Sterling, and he's he's probably you know a, a year maybe two years from being over the fence and and being done. So I don't know. I'm I'm disappointed. I know that you're probably extremely disappointed, but. It, I I wasn't expecting this this sort of poor play from Chelsea. I really would have, you know, I really hoped that they were going to be, you know, in a better spot this year. I still think they're better than United, to be fair. But um, this is this is disappointing for sure. Yeah, credit to Bournemouth. They pushed this. Yeah, they year. played they're, hard. They're still looking for their first win. Um, three draws, two defeats. It's uh, they looked solid in the back midfield. Played hard. Um, so I was surprised Dango Otara's back. I thought he was set to come back at the start of October, but he pushed his return sooner. Uh, we did see Sinistera come off the bench for them, making his debut for them on a season-long loan from Leeds. Clivert as well, David Brooks. They have a lot of good good guys to come off the bench and push us there, and they did. Sanchez had to come up big, as I mentioned. and Yeah, when uh, Sterling, I'm liking that he's a main attacking force, but his decision making when it comes to the 25 and in is just too passive at times it's it's a lot of side to side passes or he dribbles into somebody and loses it and it's just super frustrating i can't anytime the commentators are talking or when i'm watching the game and we get in the attacking half i just always think it's we're not going to create anything it's going to come up to nothing so i just can't i just have not much enjoyment watching the games it's just uh, i'm confident our defense to do a good job when our attack gets the ball i don't have faith that we're going to score so there's not much hope when i watch these games which is the worst thing as a fan if you don't have hope what do you have nothing that's the truth all right let's move on everton nil arsenal one leandro trossard's goal in the 69th minute after coming on for an injured gabriel martinelli was the sole goal in this match, and it was the difference between three points and just one for Arsenal. Um, a relatively poor offensive performance from Arsenal saw us only score the one goal. We only registered four shots on target, 13 shots total, held the possession, but that's what you'd expect against uh, you know, an Everton side managed by Sean Dyche. Um, had a really tough time breaking them down. This is a team, this Everton team, that has only registered one point so far, that 2-2 draw with Sheffield United. Um, and we saw sort of a, a return to poor offensive play. Beto being really the only threat whatsoever. Dwight McNeil getting somewhat involved but was subbed off. Um, and then we we went into this one with Enketia up top. Uh, Saka out on the right. Odegaard, Rice, and Vieira now with his starting position in the team. I think he's actually looked pretty good. This wasn't his best game, but uh, we did see Kai Havertz move to the bench in favor of Fabio Vieira. The Martinelli knock was was unfortunate to see. That's just, you know, you know somebody's going to get injured in a match against Everton because they play uh, so physically and so hard. That's just part of Dyche's philosophy. Uh, but I think the defense played quite well. Ben White had a great game. Uh, Saliba and Gabriel looked solid. Gabriel, of course, coming in um, and, and in back into the starting lineup. We saw David Raya. Uh, get the start in this one. He had a decent enough game. Uh, overall, good three points for Arsenal, but I was thoroughly unimpressed with the way they played. And I'm really excited to see Gabriel Jesus get back into the starting lineup. 
I think things are better when he's there. I think there's more space. I think the passing play, uh, when you're really all the way into the 18, is just much better. And he opens up so much space uh, for balls to be played and then for you to be able to stretch and, and score from outside the box as well. So 1-0, uh, I'll take it, but I wasn't impressed. Um, Who did you say scored? Uh, Trossard. Oh, I thought I said Martinelli. No, Trussard. He he replaced Martinelli after he got injured. Okay, yeah, because Martinelli did score and it was a Vard off. Yes, early. Okay, yeah, Everton. It's this is a bogey team for Arsenal at Goodison. They broke the curse there. I think that's quite a. It's been quite a while since they won at Goodison. So, big point for them. I thought the biggest victory was Vieira over Havertz starting. Um, he's gonna have to earn his place. Like it's, we, he's been given the chance early on to start every game, and now. He's lost his opportunity, has to fight back into it and earn his right back into that lineup week in and week out. And we'll see what they do in the Champions League this week with the lineup choices. But yeah, um, good to see Vieira there. He's earned it. Saka being a menace out there. He was crushing Michelangelo and uh, McNeil. They couldn't really do too much. Um, to be fair, I didn't really see too much of this match. I was I was I was at a I was at my little guy's game. So and. Uh, the highlights showed for it. The length of the video was like seven minutes. Two minutes of that is them talking about the starting lineup. So there wasn't too much in it. And for Everton, they've only scored two goals, given up nine, sit 18th there with one point. Um, it's looking bleak. I thought McNeil would have more of a showing in his return, but it seems like he needs more time. Um, did fuck all for me in fantasy. Uh, Beto is still a great outlet for them. For a guy at his size, he has good pace as well and uh, challenged Muggles and Saliba quite a bit. Um, what did you think, Raya, on in the goalie starting choice here for Arteta? Do you think too much into it, or you just think it's rotation for the Champions League? Um, I think rotation. You know, we have a game tomorrow in the Champions League. I think having two, like, first choice or first team goalkeepers having a choice between them is, is nice. Um what I'm worried about is distribution style. Uh, we know Ramsdale is, he, he likes to have the ball at his feet. Um, Rai is decent with the ball at his feet, but is a little bit safer. And I, I, I'm worried that maybe on the break, he, he doesn't have the outlet ability to, to start quicker breaks. Uh, I think in terms of goalkeeping ability, the two are relatively even. Ramsdale's reactions are probably a bit, a bit quicker. Um, but Rai is still a, a, a really decent option and, we got him on loan. We might as well use him, uh, especially just because of how thin the squad kind of is. Any sort of rotation you can get uh, at all, as long as you're not going to get a different result, I think is good. So I don't think we need to read into it too much. Ramsdale's kind of had a, a shaky start at the beginning of the season. Um, he's to blame for, well, partially to blame for that 2-2 draw uh, against Fulham. And I, I haven't really forgiven him for that first goal that he conceded to Paulinho. So, you know, um, I, I wasn't too upset about it. And maybe they'll stick with Rye. I, I'm not sure. Uh, but I think we'll see Ramsdale in net tomorrow um, against who we play, Sevilla tomorrow? Something like that. Uh, I'm not too sure. It's uh, no, I, you play you play PSV. Oh, yeah, PSV. Eindhoven tomorrow. I, I totally forgot. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I'm not looking into it too much, and it seems like Ramsdale and Raya are pretty friendly. I mean, I saw a couple of pictures of them. They look uh, like they're training together. Seems like they're you know they have a, a decent grasp on what the team's trying to accomplish. So uh, I'm not you know I'm not overly worried about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Nottingham Forest one, Burnley one. Tell us about this one because they left it late. It was a it was a really tough battle here. It was good for Burnley's side because we actually saw them be able to play ball, get more possession there, fifty four to forty six in their favor. Had quite a bit of chances. Um, finally, they're on the road and they actually showed a bit of fight, earned their first point of the season, but came at came at a cost. Forty uh, first minute, the they got the goal there from Amduni uh, from a nice play down the left side. It's credited for a Lyle Foster assist, but really it was a um, Kulish, what's his name? Kulish show? Yeah. Kulish, Kulish, yeah. So he's a guy that potentially could be playing for America. They said he could play for four countries. I think it's like Canada, 
England, US, and some other country, I forget, but he looked great going down that left side. He's only 19 years old. Really, really, really made uh, Montiel in his debut uh, look bad. Worrell can keep up with his pace as well. Nice little cutback. Amadouni put it away before the half. Um, 61st minute. Forrest get the equalizer from another former Chelsea guy and Callum Hudson Adoy. Uh, great bring down from Awani on a long ball, set him up. Curler, clinical finish, uh, could be goal of the weekend. Yeah, that there. was a banger. Uh, got the crowd up, 1-1. One, one. Um, and then from there, it was tight back and forth. Forrest, or Burnley did score in the 85th minute or so, but it was uh, ruled off sides. And, and then in the 93rd minute, Lyle Foster on a VAR decision gets a, re- a straight red card for... Elbowing, I think, Whirl right in the chit, right in the sternum. Uh, very hard, hard uh, hit. I, I don't know how these players, after a few seasons now with the VAR, maybe credit, maybe some slack to Burnley because they haven't been in the Prem. Uh, some of these players haven't been in the Prem before in that and haven't played with the VAR very much, but there, this has to be a talking point from the coaches. There are cameras everywhere. Yeah. No matter what you do. Somebody's going to see it, and when they put it in slow motion, it looks ten times worse. It's just decision-making. And now he's gone for three games. He's been their best attacking player at the nine with two goals and two assists, I believe. And now he's out for three games with winnable, opposi- winnable opposition they play. He's going to miss... Um, who's that? They play United. Um, winnable. They, they play in a League Cup game against Salford. And then they play Newcastle. And Burnley after that. Or uh, Luton after that. He'll be if back the, for that one. But Yeah, I was thinking if the League Cup game counts to that ban, he'll be back for Luton, which is good. But if not... It, sh- it miss- should, because that's an yeah. FA-sponsored tournament. Okay, so he'll be back for Luton, which is perfect. I was thinking for fantasy. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going to need him. Yeah, so we'll have to see what their depth is there. But um, Zarawi is back. That's a guy that also came back from a red card. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Um, using their Sangari at the DM got a start. He looked decent. Uh, Alanga and Hudson Odoi playing on the wings is something that we never thought we'd say with a Forest team. It pl- made Gibbs White have to play more central. He played at the ten conventionally, whereas before he kind of played on one of those wings opposite Brennan Johnson, who now they filled in with the other two, as I mentioned. And Mr. Consistent, man. Taiwo Wanyi with another goal contribution. Yeah. Um, I believe that's, what, three goals and, like, two assists for him or something? He scored or assisted in every game they've played so far. Um, he's looking great. Former Liverpool guy. So, yeah, I think at the end, fair result. 1-1. Company and Cooper would be happy with this. Um, Forrest currently sit in eighth place with seven points. And you have Burnley getting their first point of the year. They jump above Luton now. They're nineteenth, but they've still conceded the most goals with twelve. So better on defense here, but still they need to find a clean sheet every once in a while here if they want to move up the table a bit. Yeah. Um, okay, that is all of the games for the week. We will move into our picks quickly and then leave you guys to go on. What's that? Got to do best and worst player of the week. Oh, we do. I forgot we do that now. Go ahead. Let's uh, let's start it off. Yep, starting off with the worst player, brought to you by Stephen A. I am having a very bad day. I am in no mood. Yeah, so Zach gave me his before we recorded. He's off to work right now, but his bad players of the week he lumped into a group: the Manchester United wingers um, yeah. with that poor performance against Brighton and what's going on with them. Just it's very tough for them at times. Um, Evan, what about you? I mean, I I want to give it to to Nico Jackson again, but I just I don't think I can. I think I gave him give it to him last week. Um, it's tough. I I like I don't I don't like to premeditate uh, my best and worst player of the week. I like to kind of a, after we recap all of the games, go in and and think about it. Um, yeah. I think. I think maybe I have to give it to um Okay, now the name's off my off my tongue. Fuck. 
Where did it go? Uh, uh, this is tough. While you're thinking, I think I'm going to give mine to... It's tough. It's between Mark Flecken and goal for Brentford oh, for yeah, that was or the penalty. Or I think I'm going to have to go with Lyle Foster for that red card. It's just... It's so late in the game, and it was unnecessary. The guy was wrapped around him, trying to make him get in a bad position from the cross, and emotions flared up, and he just threw the elbow and just... You're the main number nine for them, a main outlet, a great creative guy for them, and now you're out for three games. So it's that's just a poor decision for him for a team that need points at every moment. I think uh, I'm going to go with a red card uh, enjoyer as well. I'm going to go with Oliver McBurney. Uh, he got his red card in the 104th minute. It was, of course, a double yellow. But um, being one of the only uh, options for Sheffield United going forward, especially with Cameron Archer now maybe being out for a little bit, um this uh this is a, a problem um i'm gonna take mcburney i think that's that's just poor you cannot get a red card in the 104th minute of a game um just i know you're playing hard but that's uh that's a mistake no doubt he'll only miss a game but still a mistake all right all right moving on to our best player of the week brought to you by eli i'm the best man hmm. i did it uh uh yep uh, Zach's going with Neto, the goalkeeper for Bournemouth, saved them, earned them a point at home against a Chelsea team that had the shots but not the finish, and uh, ultimately kept a clean sheet. So he's been having a decent start to the year. Uh, Evan, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with Richarlison here. Um, I mentioned earlier how nice it was to see him get back on the score sheet and uh, be involved in a game that really meant something. We did see him come off the bench in this one, and he made quite an impact. The goal in the 98th and then the assist in the 100th minute. Uh, what a two minutes, you know, beautiful two minutes for him. I'm going to give it to Richarlison, and hopefully we see him uh, back in, in really full strength. Yeah, he really needed that. I'm going to go for uh, a guy I touched on earlier. I'll go with Bernardo Silva for Man City, uh, a guy that doesn't get too much credit at times, but when they need him in moments, he comes up big for them, and he did this week with the goal and assist against a West Ham team that's been really pushing teams and making teams struggle attacking-wise, but... They broke him down, made it look simple. So I'll give it to him for the week. All right. Fair enough. Um, okay. Now, picks. Manchester City versus Nottingham Forest. Um, I believe this game is at the Etihad. So Nottingham Forest going away to Manchester City. They are decent away um, this year, but I think City can handle them in this one. Yeah, Zach and I are going with City as well. It seems like every team we've seen that or we think is good and makes other teams at the top or end struggle against them. Man City makes it look like it's child's play. And so you got to go with City. Okay. Excuse me. Crystal Palace versus Fulham up next. Um, this should be a contentious game. The game is at Selhurst. I'm going to take Crystal Palace in this one. I think their lack of finishing ability last week against Villa um probably upset them a bit i think they're better going forward in this one and i'm going to take them against fulham who've been kind of shaky at the back yeah they missed mark way he here chris richards got the start in the previous matchup uh their captain they needed him as well as jefferson lerma he should be back as well that's gonna be a big boost for them at home here but i think it's gonna be a really tight and contentious game i'm gonna just take a draw and zach agrees with you he's gonna go with palace okay um your two picks up next, Luton Town versus Wolves. This is one where I'm going to go on a little bit of a limb here. I'm going to take a draw. I think Luton gets a point here. I think it's going to be some weird VAR decision that saves them. Wolves is going to is going to go at them a lot. It's going to have a lot of chances, but I think Luton and being at home here is going to push them on to get something. So I'm going to go with a draw. Zach's going to take Wolves. Okay. Um... I'm going to take Wolves, too. I just can't see Luton Town being any sort of threat uh, at all, even against the Wolves side that I don't rate. It's fair. Um, Brentford versus Everton. I'm taking Brentford here. Um, even though I think Everton do play a little bit better on the road, I think Brentford here should be good. But considering the Rico Henry injury, that's going to be a massive loss for them on one of their wings. Um, he gets, he's, gets super high as a fullback, so... Missing him should be an interesting point. I don't know if Jack Harrison will be available. That will be massive for them. But, yeah, I still think Brentford get the job done at home. I think Brentford at home is one of the best teams 
and Zach agrees he's going to take the bees. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the bees as well. Like you said, Everton are okay away from home, uh, but this game is at home uh, in front of a packed G-Tech community stadium crowd. I'll take Brentford. I think they'll take three points in this one and be all the better off for it. Uh, Burnley versus Manchester United up next. Um, a bit of a loss with Lyle Foster not being in the team, especially because United are vulnerable at this point. Game is at Turf Moor, so United will be going away. Um, I'm going to take United. This should be a layup, but, I mean, man, they have been poor. So this one could come back to haunt me. Uh, it pains me to say, but I agree. Um, I think United somehow sque squeezed something out of this. Uh, Zach's taking United as well. It's just that if Lyle Foster was playing, I think I would have given Burnley a, a pick here, but I don't know. I just think the midfield's going to pick up here for United, and I think Burnley are leaking just too many goals. Mm hmm Okay, fair enough. Uh, and then up next, we have... Chelsea versus Aston Villa. This one's at the bridge. I got to take Villa, man. I got to take them. I just have to. Chelsea have been so poor going forward. I don't see. I don't think it's going to be high scoring, but if Chelsea can't score, Villa are going to nick one and they're going to sit on it and win. Zach's taking a draw. I'm agreeing with you. I'm not buying. I'm not going to ride the pain train again this week. I'm just going to take Villa and accept my punishment. Um, with a loss here, I don't know what that does to Potts, though. I don't know what, how much pressure gets put on him. That should be an interesting thing, but he's not going um, anywhere. I just, I don't know. I, I, I'm every week now. It's going to be interesting to see who plays because there's little time to go around with the lack of games, and I think yeah, we should be. I don't know. Does Ben Showell start? I feel like Levi Caldwell is after the whole summer of him to potentially leaving and the fans saying he has to play. He's pigeonholed into playing, and Poch prefers Di Zazzi and Tiago Silva in the middle, so it forces Caldwell at left back. So I don't know with what's at. I don't know if Mudrick starts again after what he did. Maybe we see Cole Palmer start. I don't know. There's just still an unset 11, which doesn't help in predicting these. Yeah. Okay, and then now your picks. Arsenal versus Tottenham at the Emirates in a North London derby. Who are you taking? I am sitting on the fence. I'm taking a draw. Zach is taking Spurs. I don't think Spurs will have the luxury of a lot of possession, which Arsenal will handle uh, hand over fist. But those counterattacks are going to be tough. I'm assuming Sun will start at the 9. Yeah. If Charleston starts at the 9, I would lean towards Arsenal winning. But I think... I think Ange is still going to go with Sun there, and Richarlson has a super sub, so I'm going to take uh, split points. I'm really worried about this game. I think Tottenham are just primed and ready to go. Um, I'm sure that everybody is bought in at this point. I think they're going to come and play really, really hard at the Emirates. Um, we've dominated the past couple of years in this rivalry, but I'm still going to go with Arsenal. I mean, you have to pick your team in a derby like this. I know I've been singing Tottenham's praises so far this season, but for the weekend, I think I'm going to have to go back to hating them. I will take the yeah. Gunners. Yeah. I mean, you should always hate them. I, I, I know, but I, I really don't. They, I hate Tottenham. I know, but they've been so fucking unthreatening the past couple of years. It hasn't really been a, a concern. Buckle um, up, buddy. Yeah, I know. Um, and then up next, Liverpool versus West Ham. West Ham going to Anf Anfield, the hardest place to play in probably the world. Um, who do you have here? I'm taking Liverpool. Van Dyke's back. Trent should be back. It should be a full-strength lineup. Um, I don't know to what extent. Gravenberch. Oh, no. It's saying Trent might miss this game, too. So, Gomez back or right back. Um, still no Thiago. But, yeah, I think Liverpool definitely get something here. West Ham probably will score. I think both teams' score is 100% confirmed yeah. in my book. But I think Liverpool's attack is going to be like how City was last week. It's going to be relentless with Salah in form. Yeah, Zach I th is taking Liverpool as well. I think this is a clean sweep. I'm going to take Liverpool as well here. Um, I got burned by West Ham when they played Chelsea, but I think this Liverpool side is obviously a step above uh, that Chelsea side a couple of weeks ago. So I'll take Liverpool, but 
Um, like you said, I think West Ham are definitely going to score in this game. I don't think it's going to be easy for Liverpool. They have to cope in the first half, and then in the second half, they can probably uh, take the top off. But if West Ham, you know, play that like a low block um, and, and just counter, it's, it it could go strangely in the first half. That's that's what I'm expecting. So I will take Liverpool, but they got to make it through the first, you know, 45 minutes kind of relatively unharmed. Um, okay. My two picks are last. Brighton. Actually, no. We'll, we split one and one, right? Yeah. Brighton versus Bournemouth. Uh, I'll take Brighton. This one's at the Falmer. I think Brighton won this one pretty easily against Bournemouth. Uh, I'm a bit uneasy about this one. I think the way Bournemouth played is good. I think Brighton, uh, we saw what they did against West Ham. They're due for weird upsets. I think Bournemouth can get something here. Brighton have yet to keep a clean sheet, I believe, this year as well. Um, so, I don't know. I'm still going to go Brighton as well as Zach. Just they look unstoppable going forward. And Bournemouth's defense has looked better than last year, but still, just Brighton's got a top three attack this year, even with guys like Adengra coming in and we should be Ansu Fatty. Like, they have guys. They have plenty of guys that can get goals in this team. Yeah. Okay, and then Sheffield United versus Newcastle, final game of the week at Bramall Lane. So Newcastle going away to Sheffield. Who are you taking? It should be close. Um, Newcastle having to do a lot of traveling this week. Yeah, they're in Milan, Milan right now. And they have to fly back. Apparently they broke UEFA rules. They Their plane launched like two hours late, so I don't know if that's a fine or something, but they're already in bad wraps there. But yeah, travel travel should be an issue, but... It could. I think I'm still going to take Newcastle here. Zach is as well. Um, it should be Callum Wilson starting up front with Isak being rested yesterday uh, when they played Brentford. So it's. Uh, I think Newcastle have enough, and with Sheffield with no McBurney should be interesting. And as we say that, the Newcastle lineup comes out against Milan. Yeah, uh, I'll take Newcastle on this one as well. I think uh, I think they're able to do it here, even though Sheffield. They they seem to be shoring things up a little bit, but still they've only got a point, and it was against Everton. So you know I'm not I'm not super high on them. Uh, I'll definitely take Newcastle on this. Okay, that's everything, right? I'm not missing anything. I keep missing things. No, nope, that's it. That's okay. all good for this week. All right, guys. Uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post Twenty Pod. Um, if my if my voice sounds weird in this one, or if I'm I'm slurring a little bit, it's because I have a gigantic cut uh, on my lip. I don't know how it happened, but I woke up one morning and my lip was gashed open. So uh, that's why I'm slurring a little bit. It's tough to talk. Uh, but thanks for dealing with it. Um, and again, thanks for listening. Check us out on social media at Post Twenty Pod, Twitter, Instagram. You can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, and Apple Podcasts. Until next week. Uh, enjoy the games, and we'll see you then.